3: I was recently at the Altitude Comedy Festival in the Austrian Alps, and uh, at the end of the festival, we had a downhill race, ski race for the comics. And uh, I'm a really good skier, but I didn't win. I came third behind two boys. And mm. there was a bit of me that just went, "You know, you'd have thought they'd let the girl win." Oh! I was like, oh so I was so disappointed not to win. They were competitive, I was competitive, and when I didn't win, I was like, you didn't no, go win! <laughs> Come on, Zoe, you meddled.
0: I, oh. I'm a feminist, but last night I went to see Michelle Obama at the O2, and I was so sure watching her that we were going to be really good friends one day, I almost went round to the stage door to leave her a note to say that. <laughs> Because I feel like we will, and I feel like if I never do properly meet her and, like, go off for drinks with her or something like that, I will die
3: knowing that had
0: I, we'd be best friends.
3: I mean, chances are you'll get along. I think. Do you think? I think so, yeah. Do you think? Do you think it's going to happen? She's probably sitting there in the O2 just going... I hope Deborah's here. Uh,
0: Well, I tweeted, although she said she's not on In
4: this intimate
3: gig of 12,000 people. It was an intimate night with me, really. I am a feminist, but Mm -hmm. if my wife hasn't shaved her legs for a couple of days, I rub my hands up and down her legs, making a sound like I'm planing a piece of wood. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Oh... until she gets so annoyed she goes and shaves her legs. Wow. Wow. (laughs) 20 years we've been together. 20
0: years. They've taken a turn there. They've taken a turn. I'm a feminist, but the main thing I think about Michelle Obama when I watch her speak (laughs) is that I could definitely fit into her clothes and she could fit into mine. And I rarely watch people in the public eye whose clothes I could share. And that's one of the main reasons I think we're going to be friends because we're going to be able to swap clothes. There's so few women with whom I could authentically swap trousers. And when I'm in a friend's house and oh, it's like let's go on somewhere I haven't really got the clothes. Why don't I lend you something? Or I've spilt wine. Why don't I lend you something? I dread that moment. I dread that moment because I'm like, I'm not going to fit into your trousers. That's why. Don't make me demonstrate that. (laughs) Don't offer. The worst night of my life was one of those, oh, sustainable fashion fucking clothes swap parties (laughs) but you're very tall devil let's oh that yeah whatever and you all we all had to take like our nice stuff you know like a designer dress or something but you've actually never worn it so why are you holding on to it no but you don't (laughs) want (laughs) to but you don't want to take it to oxfam because you think oh no but i paid so much for this so you take it to this clothes swap with all your buddies and then someone says, Oh, I'd really like that monsoon dress. And then they say, Oh, well, you know, you, 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 would you like this Donna Karen skirt I bought in a sale once that I've, mm. I've never worn? And that's a great idea because then I'll keep the Donna Karen skirt for six months and realize I'm never going to wear it either. Yeah. And I can swap it back with the monsoon dress two years later. So, um, whatever. Anyway, I went to this. It was the worst night of my life. I mean that's an exaggeration. It wasn't. I've had people well, dying who've been are, close you, to me. Yeah. I just, that's not true at all. But I had to leave there with some kind of sarong that someone had bought in Bali because I could manage. Yes, yes, I did. I got a handbag. One size fits all brooch. Yeah, I got a. I got, <laughs> It was all... It was terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. And actually, now I don't think I'd mind as much because I'm so much more body positive and I've sort of worked through some of the issues. Um, Thank you, the one person who cares. Um, (laughs) No, I have. I'm much more... But also, I would make sure that other people who were in my size range were going to be there. Yeah,
3: because that's a bit awkward
0: if... I I didn't ask enough questions. Yeah, no, I don't think... It was my own fault.
3: yeah. I'm a feminist, but I always give to the same big issue seller in Hove, where I live. I realise it's because he calls me Miss, and for a moment I feel just that little bit younger. Oh, that's <laughs> like in Paris where they say mademoiselle instead of madame. It's just, oh, every no, oh, when you get a mademoiselle, every, oh. yeah, every now and again, because usually yeah. it's madame, or even sir, sometimes I've had... Uh, <laughs> The day. I was oh, I gave some guy some change in London the other day and he went, thanks, sir, lady. I was like, oh,
0: no. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but John Ham. I've been re-watching Mad Men to sort of in the end of the day, if I want to do some yoga and I just want to, like, calm down and I just want something on with me that's sort of, like, calming, I find Mad Men very calming. And I've been remembering lots of episodes I've forgotten. And I know you don't probably fancy John Ham Zoe. Um, I can see
3: the appeal. Totally. I quite like, um, I was going to say, big men.
0: <laughs> so even as you say that, I think to myself, I don't really believe you. Mm. Now, I know, objectively, that is true. But in the same way I don't really believe people prefer to live in the country than the city, even though I know that they do, part of me goes, but do you? (laughs) Similarly, obviously, you're a lesbian. I know that you don't want to sleep with men. But with John Hamm, I think...
3: There's always the odd one out there where you go, yeah, definitely. Who's your odd one out? I wouldn't mind a bit of Hugh Jackman. (laughs) (laughs) Which (laughs) (laughs) bit? And I'm I'm quite... (laughs) I quite like. it. He's got a beautiful chest, isn't he? It? He's got a very. I, I, was a sort of, I, 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 I like the. I'd like. I'd like to be able to sort of just beat him on his. You know, and you go. oh. <laughs> this is
0: breaking. This yeah. is breaking news. This just is an exclusive, a guilty feminist exclusive. <laughs> Zoe Lyons would like to beat beat you, Jack, down his, his chest. chest. <laughs> Last time she came on, she told us about the mock the week special chair for ladies. Yeah. And that got picked up by the press off this
3: show did you Oh, know did it? Oh, yeah. This one hasn't been rebooked this year.
0: <laughs> Live from King's Place in London, the Spontaneous oh, Shop presents The Guilty Permanence with me, Never Gratis White, guest co host, Zoe Lyons, and our very special guest, Hannah Galsey, talking about home. the Guilty Feminists, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White, with me is Zoe Lyons and we're talking about home. I mean, as feminists, I feel we need to be the architects of our homes because homes were sort of established by patriarchal forces and have changed over the years from nuclear families to, you know, sort of takes a village down to nuclear families. Mm -hmm. They've been forged in ways that serve both capitalism and uh, an idea of the man as the head of the family. So, as feminists, we really have to reshape what home looks like, I think, sometimes.
3: Mm. I mean, home for me is just comfy. It's comf- Home is my favourite button on the sat-nav. Oh, it's, oh I just love Going home. I mean, no disrespect, Deborah, but if I wasn't here, I'd definitely be at home. I I love being at home. I do know what you
0: mean. I remember as a child, there was nothing more exciting than out. And if my parents said we were going out, or there was an opportunity to go out to a party or out to dinner, I'd be so excited. Mm. And now, being in my room is definitely Mm. my favourite place. Mm. In fact, I saw someone on Facebook recently, I think it might have been a meme, saying... All my childhood punishments are now my favourite things. Yeah. Going to my room and not being allowed to go to a party. Yeah. It's just sort of, yeah, oh, please, please. Hey, here, just give us a cheer if you still would rather go out than stay home. Give us a cheer if you have a sneaking love of home over out. You know, oh, I feel that's complimentary because they're all here so yeah, I think yeah. the guilty feminist must be one of the places for them that is better than home yeah well done Well that done. makes me feel very pleased because mm. to be honest if you're all us like yeah we'd go anywhere that's not flattering <laughs> I like the fact that your monogamous goers out as with me I mean I'm sure you do go to other places Peter express
3: <laughs> the cinema
0: marches rallies give us a cheer if you went on the people's choice march give us a cheer if you were with us we met up at the panquatidian because we thought it was nice and continental we thought we'd have a croissant the panquatidian the pan the, pa- the what the panquatidian is it sort of like a french maybe belgian i don't know <laughs> cafe <laughs> we can go and have a sort of you know one of those bowls of coffee like your french
4: oh
3: the lazy french you don't put handles on things yeah. yes yes it's weird, isn't it, drinking a bowl of coffee, but it just seems sort of... There's a novelty to it, isn't mm. there, where you're like, oh, yeah, this is fun. Uh, but completely impractical, because a bowl's hot and your hands then burn, and you think handles would be better. I, I might have voted for Brexit on the back of handlers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have loved to have been stopped in the street by the BBC. How are you voting? I'm, I'm voting leave. Why? Is, is immigration? Uh, single market? No. No. Handlers bowls of coffee. LAUGHTER I'm out.
0: <laughs> I feel there were people who voted for less reasons. I think
3: there are. I mean,
0: blue yeah. passport covers isn't better.
3: Blue passport covers, which will now be made by an Italian company, I believe. Oh, which is just... Fucking hell. I know.
0: <laughs> Would you like to hear some sound-up comedy? <laughs> Please, welcome on the stage. So
3: talk about uh, home, because I think it's important. I, I, London used to be my home, but then I got very, very angry and had to leave. Uh, <laughs> I now live in Brighton. I moved to Brighton. Um, I say moved, that's not strictly true. What happens is old lesbians don't die, we just wash up in Brighton. <laughs> and if you've ever found yourself walking the streets of London going, where are all the old lesbians? That's what's happened. It's, a, it's like a natural migration. It's very much like the running of the wildebeest. I'm surprised David Attenborough hasn't covered it in one of his little programs, to be honest with you. Here they come, the little lesbians. You can hear their shoes. Um, (laughs) uh, um, We just get carried away by a favourable tide. It's the buoyancy of our crocs, really, that have kept us afloat. very clever we're using tools and uh, we get within sights of brighton because well diversity in quinoa the two things we're highly sensitive to uh, and, uh, and then we paddle ashore it's a lovely place to be but i used to live in london but it's a very it's it's, it's hard it's a tricky city any big city is a tricky city to live in and, and often as young people you have those times in your life where it's you, your living conditions are a bit perilous or a bit you know on, on the you know i for example i actually squatted uh, for six months And um, how was that so? Well, at the end of it, amazing thighs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely rock hard. Um, And, you you know, a lot of people have to spend up to 50% of their... Income just to rent in London because the system is totally skewed. And it's, we are a nation obsessed with being homeowners, aren't we? We always have been. There's a classic saying, isn't it? An Englishman's home is his castle. You know, that's why I think are we are obsessed with having your own property. I think that's why we hold snails slightly above slugs. Because <laughs> they've got a property, haven't they? I mean, it's a shell at the moment, but wait till it's finished. It will look amazing. <laughs> i walk around london as well now and i just think god it's so hard for younger people to get on the property ladder which isn't a ladder anymore is it it's an escalator and it's moving and you miss it if you just face plant into permanent renting that is all it is and the idea now that every flat that is bought tell me if you've noticed this walking around the streets when you see new properties being built the use of the word luxury everywhere have you noticed this luxury apartments Artisan apartments. Sometimes they'll just string words together that don't make any sense. So, just artisan luxury bespoke dwelling lifestyle. You're like, what the hell is that? (laughs) What are you talking about? Do you know when luxury used to mean luxury? If somebody said, I've got a luxury apartment, you'd expect to see two marble staircases (laughs) sweeping round to join at the top with a balustrade, you know, just swans walking round with Fabergé eggs on their heads. (laughs) An internal fountain. That was... Luxury? Now, developers are trying to sell you the idea that luxury is, well, I've got a little breakfast bar that I can sit at. And if I cut my toast in half, it almost fits on the table. Luxury now is the luxury of being able to buy the sodding place, isn't it? That's, we've reduced luxury to that, being able to afford to live somewhere. It's a bit like saying a leaky rowing boat is a luxury. Well, it is if that's your only option, and the other option is just floating adrift in the sea forever, <laughs> suddenly you look at a leaky rowing boat and you go, oh, look at the luxury of that! It's <laughs> practically the QE2! People are having to live at home with their parents now, aren't they? To save up for deposits, and it's getting getting longer and longer and longer. It's getting to the point where it gets a bit ridiculous, you know? Parents going up to them and going, Nigel, clean your room. No, I didn't ask to be born, mum. <laughs> You're 45, Nigel. <laughs>
4: Stop being a dick.
3: <laughs> I mean, I've, I've rented. I rented when I lived in London. I had some appalling renting situations. I, really, I rented from a woman who was a, she was a Buddhist amongst other things. Not really a Buddhist, sort of fair weather Buddhist. She was Buddhist when it suited her. And we had mice in the flat. And I opened the kitchen door, and I had no money at the time. This is awful. And I, and I, I didn't have any food, but I noticed she had some bread. Uh, so I went to take the bread out. I thought, I'll just have a slice of bread. And I picked the slice of bread up in the packet. I thought, that, that feels quite heavy for a slice of bread. And uh, then the bread plopped on the floor with a mouse attached to it and I thought, oh my God, we've got mice, but I can't tell her because I've been nicking her bread. Um, So I had to drop it into a situation at some point. I said, well, listen, um, I think we might have mice because I found some droppings somewhere. And she said to me, well, because of my Buddhist beliefs, I don't want to kill the mice. I'm going to allow them to escape on their own free will. And I thought, well... That ain't going to happen, is it? And about three days later, I was downstairs and I heard her in the kitchen. She opened the kitchen cupboard and a mouse leapt from the top shelf and landed on her head. <laughs> Two days later, poison down everywhere. Mice detritus. Um, I mean, I'm that generation that's part of the reason why we have a housing crisis now, I think, because I was up that generation where our first mortgage years ago, you could get a 101% mortgage. My wife and I bought our first flat using a credit card. Isn't that incredible? I know, I'm sorry. I've fucked up the system. Um, My wife, well, to be fair, she sold everything and she moved over to be with me in the UK. Um, I've got a Dutch wife. Um, Not a euphemism. Um, (laughs) Although I'm very aware it does sound like a very posh piece of barbecue equipment, doesn't it? does a Dutch wife sound like something you'd find in a big John Lewis? (laughs) Don't you think? Downstairs in the home and garden section, you'd be like, oh, Maureen, look at this, it's amazing. They've got a lovely new Dutch wife in. It's incredible. (laughs) double burner Mm. enamel hood Um, so yes I've got a Dutch wife well obviously she'll have to go back post Brexit Um, that's what I said to her she doesn't read the papers that's what I said pack your silly little wooden shoes and off your pop love it's um (laughs) it's the will of the people take your cheese with you too I've had years of EDAM it's not a proper cheese is it It's not a proper cheese, is it? Nobody likes EDAM. It doesn't even taste like cheese, does it? It's the sort of cheese you give to somebody who doesn't like cheese. Do you know what I found tastes more like cheese? The wax around an EDAM. That tastes more like cheese. I mean, I do love my home. I cherish it. I value it. I feel very, very lucky to have a home. But there's that old weird sort of tradition, isn't it? If you ever flick through those traditional women's magazines that we should all be nurturing our homes and making them pretty with doilies and, and little bits and pieces. I, was, I had to go to the doctors last week and my own, the only reason I like going to doctors is that, that guilty flick through those magazines that you'd never normally buy yourself. Do you know the ones I mean? Sort of, you know, good housekeeping, you know, make yourself some jam um, out of raspberries and tears of regret. Um, and there was an in there, and it really made me mad. It just said, "Ladies, get yourself that dream kitchen." <laughs> and I thought, a dream kitchen. I thought, are well, people dreaming of kitchens? Are they <laughs> in your dreams? In you? In 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 your unfenced-off, uncensored fields of creativity? Kitchens, really? Is that? Have I missed? I mean, what? I mean, I've wanted a new kitchen. I've have never dreamt of a kitchen. I've never dreamt of a kitchen. I mean, last night I dreamt I was a tiny little white dog with the face of a baby, and I was wearing a little red leather outfit, and I was Beyoncé's backing singer, and we were doing a massive concert while Henry VIII ate turkey legs in the background. But I've never dreamt of a kitchen. I mean, that would that would have been a very different speech, wouldn't it, if Martin Luther King had come out in front of all of those people? I said, I had a dream. I had a dream about a kitchen where pots and pans did not live on top of each other but side by side each other. <laughs> like I
4: had
3: a dream about a kitchen where doors did not slam shut but looked like they were going to slam shut.
4: <laughs>
3: and then just suck themselves in that little, little bit. of a... <laughs> It would have been a very, very different day in history. (laughs) Thank you very much. Now, please, folks, put your hands together. Deborah Francis
0: White! I want to give you a little insight into my home. I've been married to Tom Solitsky for some years now. And some years ago I did something on Facebook and it was called the Salinsky Chronicles in which I would write out conversations I'd had with Tom as little plays and they became very popular people asked for a book okay and this will give you an insight into my home and my relationship me I forgot to bring a nighty to Dublin shall we pop into this racy shop as it's my birthday inside 5 minutes later Salinsky in the style of a disapproving David Niven hmm, hard to find anything in here that doesn't come with a ball gag. (laughs) Me, finding negligee. This is kind of classy. Why does it have two prices? Everything in the shop seems to have two identical white labels advertising two completely different prices. Incredibly humorless sex shop lady says, the lower price is the sale price. And I said, I thought maybe the higher price was the masochist's price. (laughs) Long pause. Pause. Incredibly humorless sex shop lady. Do you want the nighty or not? <laughs> Selinski, yes please. Me to Selinski. That was a solid joke. <laughs> While we were leaving the shop, away from the lady. Selinski. pearls before swine, darling. Pearls before swine. <laughs> I'm doing some online shopping. Me. This bloody website just won't work. Don't they want my money? It's supposed to be Christmas. Selinski, in the style of a paternal David Niven, Calm. Me. If it doesn't work this time, I'm going to punch someone in the face and you're the only one here. <laughs> Selinsky. You need to learn to control your stress if you want to live in the modern world. <laughs> Me. If I want to, do I have a choice? Selinski. Yes. You can do all the shopping at the shops. <laughs> Me. Rich coming from someone who recently said, bridge is chess for card players. Selinsky, I live in the modern world. I just do it with old-fashioned charm. <laughs> Me. You just said the other night when we were watching X Factor, direct quote: "The modern world confuses me." Salinsky, <laughs> in the style of a triumphant David Niven, ah, the modern media world confuses me. The modern technological world—I bestride like a mighty colossus. <coughs> me, this isn't doing anything for my stress levels. <laughs> this is how I live. This is how I live. Okay, this is the final one. Salinsky is putting up the new Christmas tree. It looks like a topiary tree and comes with lights. Selinski, these are the worst instructions for anything anyone's ever bought. Me, how? Selinski, there's a long list of safety instructions for fools, like don't stab yourself in the eye with the tree, and don't plug it in underwater. <laughs> Me, excellent advice. Selinski, in the style of David Niven being presented with a warm martini. And then, these are the instructions for use. Take the tree completely from the box, place it on a level surface, plug it in. Me, those do seem a little simplistic. Selinski in the style of David Niven sending the martini back. Oh, I don't know. Without them, I might have taken the tree halfway out of the box, thrown it away, and then thrown myself away. (laughs) Me. Do you really need instructions? Selinski, yes, I can't find the cord. (laughs) (laughs) Then that's the Selinsky Chronicles! Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Deborah, briefly interrupting your podcast to let you know there is a special advanced screening of the new film Late Night, starring Emma Thompson and Mindy Carling, written by Mindy Carling. Now, we'll be doing a special Guilty Feminist episode before and after the film with Emma Thompson herself live on stage. Yes, she's co-hosting the Guilty Feminist. It's Monday, the 20th of May, and it's in central London. Tickets sold out in an hour but we're trying to get some more released. Join our mailing list at guiltyfeminist.com to be the first ones to know if any more tickets are released and also go and see Late Night on opening weekend. Thank you so much to everyone who's come out for the tour. It's been absolutely amazing. We are two weeks down and we've got three weeks to go. This week, on the 15th of May, we're in Cardiff with Susie Ruffle, Jess Q. Kima Bob and Grace Petrie. Tickets for that are selling out fast, so get in now and get your tickets for Cardiff on the 15th of May. On the 16th of May, we're in Cambridge with Desiree Birch, Jess FosterQ, Heidi Regan, and Grace Petrie. And on the 17th of May, Aylesbury with Bridget Christie, Jess FosterQ, Kima Bob, and me for Queen. On the 18th of May, we're in Bournemouth with Bridget Christie, Jen Brister, Kima Bob and Me for Queen. And on the 19th of May in Oxford with Desiree Birch, Jess Foster-Q, Catherine Bohart and Jess Robinson. So check out those dates at guiltyfeminist.com and others around the country. Now, The Guilty Feminist is playing the Royal Albert Hall, the actual big Royal Albert Hall on the 7th of July. It's an afternoon performance, so people outside London will be able to get trains and get home for the evening. Tickets start at only 10 pounds and they are available now if you go to guiltyfeminist.com. It is going to be a lineup like no lineup you've ever seen from the Guilty Feminist before. If you've enjoyed a tour show, get in, book tickets for the Royal Albert Hall because it's going to be absolutely spectacular. Now the Guilty Feminist is teaming up with Amnesty International to bring back the legendary Secret Policeman this show started in the 1970s with Monty Python and has been one that has featured comedy greats every decade since. We are bringing a diverse and incredible lineup to the Hackney Empire for the Secret Policeman's tour on Wednesday, the 5th of June. On the bill, you will see Francesca Martinez, Juliet Stevenson, Sindhu V, Desiree Birch, Funbi Omateo. Grace Petrie, Jess Foster-Q, Alison Spittle, Kima Bob, Ophelia Loverbond, Sophie Duca, and Siobhan McSweeney, who plays Sister Michael in The Derry Girls. Go to hackneyempire.co.uk for tickets. And if you're going up to the Edinburgh Fringe, there are three Guilty Feminist shows at the Pleasance Grand and a Secret Policeman's Tour show too. Go to edfringe.com and check those out too. And also, the Guilty Feminist book is out in paperback and includes two new interviews, one with Hannah Gadsby and one with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Pick
1: it up now. And now, back to the podcast. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
0: Our guest today is the Policy and Public Affairs Manager at Crisis. Please welcome Hannah Galsey. Yay. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. Hello. hello, hello, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Now, you joined us at Christmas uh, to talk about how we could help with homelessness at Christmas. How can we help now? What is happening at Crisis?
2: So thank you so much for having me back on the show. It was fantastic to come at Christmas and talk a little bit more about the work that we do then. But actually, whilst people know us for the work that we do at Christmas, we are delivering services all year round at Crisis. So we have delivery services that work across England, Scotland and Wales. And we run a whole range of services for people who are experiencing homelessness. So we help people to move into employment, into housing. But we also have a whole range of classes to help support people to work on their confidence and well-being so I'm really really fortunate to be able to work in one of those centres and we have amazing classes that help people with performing arts with hat making I'm always so Hat making. So yeah
0: what <laughs> millinery courses yeah
2: it's one of my favourite classes at crisis and I absolutely love going upstairs I want to um, come to come that my, come come along it's I'm not homeless I don't think fantastic. I should be taking the resources <laughs> But it sounds brilliant. You should see the hats that are produced. They're absolutely beautiful. Amazing. And it's one of the things that people just enjoy more than anything. And when you were talking about home, and I was thinking about what home means to me and that sense of being able to kind of close the door and be yourself and build your confidence, I think that's one of the things that our services do so well at crisis, to give people that space, that time to be creative, be Mm -hmm. themselves. And obviously moving into housing, moving into employment is so, so important but to give people that sense of self and to help build their confidence and do things like hat-making or beginner's guitar. We have a whole room with guitars, which I also like to go and have a look at, I think is just incredibly important.
0: Well, that sounds absolutely amazing and really like something we should support. Tell us about the bill that we can help with.
2: So uh, Crisis is currently working on a campaign. It's called A Safe Home and we are working to change the homelessness legislation via the domestic abuse bill that the government had published and what we want to do is ensure that anybody who is fleeing domestic abuse and becomes homeless as a result of that is given a safe and secure home. So at the moment and this is pretty unbelievable stuff if you go to your local authority and you've become homeless as a result of domestic abuse you're not guaranteed a safe home. So the council will make you prove that you are more vulnerable than somebody else who is also. Also fleeing domestic abuse and is also homeless.
0: Which, so, when you're vulnerable, yeah. that's the last time you feel you can prove it. And exactly. you might be trying to not be vulnerable as well. Mm. Trying to prove it, it sounds like torture.
2: Yeah, well, it's first of all an extremely high bar to overcome. I mean, who is more vulnerable in that situation... We've had examples of women who are being forced to recall experiences of domestic abuse to a complete stranger in a waiting room full of other people. We've had stories of women who've been asked to go back and get a letter from a perpetrator of domestic abuse to prove. Um, what, exactly. Sorry? Yeah, I know. It's absolutely unbelievable. What, to go and say, oh, could you get a letter that says yes, I am yes. violent. Yes, and it was this bad. This person is this vulnerable. And um, most
0: perpetrators are. Obviously, going to be really happy to provide triplicate evidence signed that they're perpetrators. Well, what in that we situation, this handing
3: of power over to the perpetrator as
2: well. Exactly. It's just... And you're putting someone in such a dangerous situation, forcing them to choose between essentially being homeless or going back to live with somebody in that situation. And we know in England and Wales there are two women that are killed every single week by their partner, their former partner. So it just feels that we should be doing absolutely everything that we can in that situation to make it as easy as possible for somebody to escape that very, very dangerous situation. So what is Crisis doing and how can we help? So we're working with the All-Party Parliamentary Group for Ending Homelessness, which is a group of MPs from a range of political parties who are interested in ending homelessness. We're working with them and a coalition of homelessness charities and uh, the women's sector, so Women's Aid and Refuge are very supportive of this campaign as well. Um, so if you're interested in helping to support the campaign, you go online. So um, you can... I think it's www.crisis safe home and we're really encouraging people to tweet using the hashtag a safe home because what we're really trying to do at the moment is to raise awareness about this link between mm. domestic abuse and homelessness because I think sometimes people understand those two issues separately but they just don't understand how the two interact. We know at Crisis that a fifth of the women that we're working with have had their homelessness directly caused by domestic abuse. Um, I know that some mungos around a third of the women that they're working with have had their homelessness caused by domestic abuse so raising awareness of that is really really important we're also asking people if they have had experience of domestic abuse themselves and they've gone on to experience homelessness if that's an experience that they would feel comfortable sharing with us that would be incredibly helpful in terms of campaigning for change on this, I can present stat after stat to a politician but for somebody to hear first hand someone's experience is so incredibly powerful and we do have this domestic abuse bill on the table at the moment it is a huge huge opportunity and I think something that we could really really change but we do need that evidence we do need those stories from people so if people do want to get in contact with us please do we can sit down and help you tell your story is there an email that they write to or is there something they click on so they can certainly get in contact with me so my twitter handle is at Hannah Gousy, and that's Gauzy G-O-U-S-Y um, but of course get in contact with us at Crisis as well and um, you can definitely contact so me so go to the Crisis website yeah
0: which is crisis.org.uk um, and click and get in touch. So if we haven't had experience with domestic violence and homelessness, mm-hmm. how do we support this and get this bill into the kind of shape that we would feel you know, comfortable with as a society because it's yeah. all of our responsibilities. It's not just people who are vulnerable and who've been victims because often they're in, not in the power position to change it. And the bill's on the table at the moment.
2: Yeah. So at the moment... Is it being held up by Brexit? Because everything else is. So, a lot of things are being held up by Brexit, I think that's fair to say, but this is something that the government are extremely committed to, so we're very, very pleased. Even
0: our bloodthirsty Tory government,
2: <laughs> who are currently
0: in power, well, I we... know that you have to be politically neutral, so just blink if, <laughs> if they are...
3: Write mm. it in the sand. Yeah. yeah.
2: Just ask for Angela if they're not being <laughs> helpful. LAUGHTER um, So are they being helpful? Are they genuinely being helpful? They are genuinely being very helpful. I think this is something that is right at the top of their political agenda, particularly on domestic policy. (laughs) It Um, seems so unlikely, and yet, why is it being pushed through? Who's pushing it through? So this is something that's always been pushed quite hard from Number 10. It's something that has been top of their priority the women's sector have done an absolutely incredible job in terms of lobbying for this bill they've done an incredible job at making sure that right now it's looking like it's in a pretty good state so there's some really good sections of that bill that help better protect and support people who are going through the court process for example and whilst that is incredibly important in terms of bringing perpetrators to justice we also have to consider the social and economic barriers to people leaving that situation in the first Mm -hmm. place and That's why housing and homelessness is such an important part of that puzzle. So anything that people can do to help us make more noise about the campaign, make more noise on social media, would be incredibly important. So it's hashtag safe home. Yeah. Um, Can they write to their MPs? Is there a link on the
0: website or you just email your MP?
2: So people can definitely email their MP. It's fantastic to be making more noise about this. I'd also suggest signing up as a crisis campaigner. So at the moment, the domestic abuse bill is in a draft form. So it's a really small group of MPs who are looking at it at the moment. And we're working very closely in lobbying them. It's probably... who, who are the
0: MPs? Do you know? they off by heart
2: off by heart oh my goodness you're going to really really test me now so it's about (laughs) no
0: no it's just if some people are in the constituencies who are our listeners
2: so we do have a campaigns action for people who are in those particular constituencies so if you go online you go to the page and you happen to live in those constituencies most of them are outside of London (laughs) unfortunately relax Um, Um, But there's lots and lots of detail on the website about how people can get involved. But if you sign up as a campaigner, there will be lots more to do along the journey in terms of this campaign as well. So the bill will be more formally debated by MPs, we imagine, in the autumn time. So if you sign up as a crisis campaigner, we will then write to you and ask you to email your MP, and there'll be a template letter that people can follow.
0: Great. Okay. So if everybody here... Wrote a letter to their MP and just went on. Did a hashtag. It would make an enormous, enormous change. Even if we never put this podcast out, which we will, and just the people in this room did this, it will make such an enormous difference to the pressure that's on the government to keep that at the top of the mm-hmm. list. And because of Brexit, we do need to keep pushing, even yeah. if things do seem to be top priority. You know, who knows tomorrow who's going to be even in the cabinet, much less prime <laughs> minister. Could be us. I mean, at some point, I could, expect could to it? take a turn <laughs> as Brexit secretary. Yeah,
3: yeah, well, we'll all have a go at some point. Yeah, <laughs> a I mean, job experience, yeah, isn't it? I mean, yeah. at some point,
0: yeah. yeah. So this really matters. If this isn't a time for feminism, what is? Oh, more yeah. women are homeless because of domestic violence, and they are, they're most vulnerable. And mm. there has been a history in this country, and I'm sure if you're listening globally, probably in yours too, of women having to prove themselves to be more vulnerable than other women in order to get housing... So we need to get on it. We need to get better bills. We need women who are fleeing domestic violence to be housed immediately and looked after and protected. Because if we're not going to bother to do that as a society, why even have a society? What's the point? Absolutely. Why don't we all just run out into the street naked, shouting, I'm for me. This is the self-preservation society. <laughs> Fuck
3: you all. Um, that to be seems fair, to after be... a few wines, I have been done to do that. LAUGHTER <laughs> um,
2: Is there anything else we need to know or you would like us to know? I think the final thing is just it's www.crisis.org.uk forward slash a safe home and then you can find all the information you need there. Great.
0: And if you'd like to donate and support all those other amazing ventures Mm -hmm. like hat classes, guitar lessons, you know, that might sound frivolous, but it isn't. If you're homeless... That is plugging you back into being a human again, plugging Mm. you back to being someone who is not ignored like they're absolutely invisible, someone who is not continually humiliated, doesn't feel like less than, constantly moved on. It is such a big, big deal to connect with your humanity and to feel creative and uh, useful and productive and needed and connected to other people. And with that in mind, that's a great link, in fact, uh, to our charity of the week. Who is our charity this week, Tom?
5: They're called Red Box. Where are you? Ah. Sorry, I've got a cold, and I woke up with it this morning, which is an ideal. Is
0: that what we're donating for? Just <laughs>
5: <say>? <laughs> Lemon sip is expensive. <laughs> Uh, let me just get some stats out. All right, so I'm Caitlin and I am the coordinator of Red Box Project in particularly the Camden Borough and Barnet as well. We are a voluntary organisation, so we're not registered as a charity yet, which is very important for you to know. But we um, are trying to eradicate period poverty through collecting. Donations of sanitary towels, tampons, new underwear, and distributing these through schools across the UK where girls could potentially be experiencing period poverty. So, in 2017, Plan International released loads of statistics. One that really resonates with everyone is that currently one out of 10 girls struggles to afford sanitary products. That's totally unbelievable in this day and age and shouldn't be happening girls all over the world are missing school because they are using loo roll, socks, all kinds of unhygienic, shocking things instead of adequate sanitary protection. So we are working to stop that. There's also the free period campaign you might have heard about in the media recently. Um, So that's amazing for us. And as of September, all secondary schools and colleges will have sanitary protection available to all students At the moment, we're saying that's not enough and it should be rolled out across primary schools as well and anywhere a girl might go for any kind of educational setting, so girl guides, summer camp, after-school clubs, anything like that. In terms of helping us, you can donate any kind of products. We accept sanitary towels of all... Shapes and sizes, tampons, new underwear. We accept monetary donations. We have a bucket here, or you can donate via our Just Giving page, which Shyla will tell you the details of. Yes, yeah, so we're also on social media, and you can find all of our um, Just Giving page, etc. There, pretty much all of it is at the Red Box Project
3: Camden, and Twitter is just Red Box Camden. So we'd really appreciate that.
0: Great, so it's a local charity, so as you leave here tonight, um, you've paid for your tickets, there's no obligation, but if you could pop, if you could afford a pound, five pounds, ten pounds, whatever you can afford, if people have got tampons on them, can they put those in?
5: So we can't at the moment accept loose tampons, it would have to be in a sealed box just for hygiene reasons because they all have a shelf life and we can't guarantee when they will get into schools. And we can't guarantee how soon they'll be So used. we'd have to
0: donate that to you. And the details yeah. are on the website. Yeah. Um, if you, of course, have brought a sealed box of tampons, <laughs> pop that in this. I bet you anything, at least one woman in here has got that. (laughs) Um, Check out Zoe Lyons' show in Edinburgh. A big round of applause to Hannah Gauzy. And my amazing co-pilot for this evening, Zoe Lyons. That's our show. I've been Deborah Francis-White. We've been the Guilty Feminist. Good night. been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co Zoe Lyons, and our very guest, Helen Gowsey. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Sinisky for The Spontaneous Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Becca, Sally, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you, for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit GuiltyFeminist.com!
3: and because I've got short hair and, and most women in India don't have mm. short hair and I guess
0: yes <laughs> Jesus what happened there <laughs> Siri just said did you accidentally summon me <laughs> and it was genuinely frightening like I'm a sorcerer oh my yes, god yes Siri yes Siri I did but could you just not say summon me anymore because that's freaking me out Siri he's still there Siri hey Siri I did accidentally summon you. I don't
4: know what you mean by, I did accidentally summon you. (laughs) Well, you you started it. it.